Welcome to Plant Stories. The modern, the old, and the crazy in between. Myth or fact? Water hyacinths are the only large aquatic herb that can float on the water without being attached to the bottom. That one's true! <laughs> that brings us into today's episode, the water hyacinth. They can make their own little islands. Yes, so today we are talking about the water hyacinth, the first episode in our invasive plant series. So water hyacinths are any aquatic plant within the pickerel weed family. Uh, some things in that family do exist in the United States. Um, some species of water, water hyacinth float in water. There are a couple others that grow on muddy banks of like lake shores or in the banks of streams. And they're kind of like anchored a little bit to the side, but still kind of float in the water. But the main species that we're going to be talking about today uh, goes by its binomial name, which is Icornia crassipes. Again, probably just totally butchering that name. <laughs> but it produces both uh, seeds and uh, reproduces through fragmentation of its root system. It makes less seeds than some other plants because of that. Um, its main source of reproduction is fragmentation, and they're native to the Amazon basin and other kind of like tropical parts of the Americas. They have slender rootstocks, feathery roots, these rosettes of kind of like stalked leaves, and they're known for their stacked flower that's similar in design to other flowers labeled as hyacinths usually ranging in color from purple to blue and with one petal on each flower sporting a yellow spot. That's curious. Yeah, honestly, they're really beautiful flowers. If you look at them, they're, I mean, I've looked them up quite a few times and I have seen one or two in person and they're a pretty gorgeous flower. Um, they grow about one to three feet tall, depending on where they're growing and like the exact variety, but they are really pretty. So these are just like floating in the water. They got a bunch of roots underneath. They're not like attached to anything. They're just floating around. Yeah, this specific variety, this uh, invasive variety does kind of just float. Um, and it's because of this that in American history, the plants believed to have been introduced in the 1880s at uh, the World's Fair. So the World's Fair was held in 1884 in New Orleans, and this plant was on display in the Horticultural Hall. And it was just like a wonder. It was incredibly popular. People thought it was so beautiful. And so it became a very highly sought after aquatic plant in America. People uh, wanted to use it for their personal pond collections because it was easy to care for and it's inexpensive. Um, it does boast kind of some water purifying effects as the roots can grow up to 12 inches long and so it can be used by small fish and aquatic 
bugs as like a habitat, as well as, you know, locking up water impurities in the roots. Some fish may eat some parts of the roots as they shed as well. And so it became pretty popular to have water hyacinth in your, you know, house pond if you were a person who did that, I guess. Everybody has their casual like, house pond, right? Maybe also people who are doing like landscaping for like, you know, city buildings. There's a lot of pounds, ponds and fountains at places like that. Sure, sure, yeah. There's definitely some positive reasons that you would want to have this plant. Um, and even today, there are lots of people who use this aquatic plant in their own personal collections. Um, the flowers themselves are sometimes used as like a tonic to, for horses to like soothe skin where it's directly rubbed onto the horse. Uh, later on in the 1900s, it's believed to have been introduced to Africa and Asia and is especially present in Egypt. But it is considered to be an extremely invasive plant everywhere outside of its native habitat. It's considered the most invasive plant in the world because it moves very easily. It is... What do you mean it moves very easily? Um, so part of the reason why it's invasive is just because it is able to go through many environments. It's moved by humans. It's moved by flooding. It's moved by boats. It's moved, you know, there's just a lot of ways that it can get around. So, you know, it can be moved by birds. They'll take the seeds. It can be moved by wind. So it's able to spread very quickly to multiple places, even when infestations are in their beginning stages. The seeds of the plant are viable for up to 30 years. And the yeah, it's pretty insane. And the water hyacinth can double its population in two weeks if it remains undisturbed oh. or unaffected by native predators. So, you know, just to put that in perspective. What kind of scale are we talking about? Yeah, so to put that in perspective, 10 plants can become over 600 plants in two months. Hmm. Okay, I gotcha. So if it's not caught early enough, it very quickly just multiplies and can easily take over an area without much help even. You know, easy to grow kind of deal. If, if it's left unchecked, they can, you know, become a huge mass. And so they form very dense vegetative mats that can basically almost become islands of their own, kind of like what you said in the beginning. And they end up hosting other grasses and life. They are so thick, they are even impenetrable by commercial boats. <laughs> so they're incredibly dense, large mats. The plant is considered toxic in general. And that's because even though the plant itself isn't toxic, this plant is well known for absorbing toxins very easily. So if this plant is in some kind of water source that has a toxin in it, it will take that up. Cyanide, 
heavy metals, it'll just slurp that right up and it will be <laughs> present in the plant. Well, I guess that could be useful if its purpose is meant to clean the water. Uh, it certainly can have some of those purposes, but it also can be a very negative thing if you're trying to find alternative ways to use it once it's already invaded an area. Right. It's also well known to choke waterways, so it will take all the oxygen in the water and block the surface, effectively choking out other plant oh. life in the area and killing populations of other underwater life and this is because these huge mats that we've talked about they create a ton of dead plant material especially during cold snaps and then all that stuff that has died is broken down by bacteria and fungi that eats up a lot of the water's oxygen and it's been known to do this in pretty much any water environment that it inhabits so lakes ponds rivers it will just take over and then essentially like as its its own population is dying will actually pull a lot of the oxygen out of the water i thought of it like maybe clogging up like pathways and like streams and stuff i didn't think about it just covering a whole surface enough that it just kills everything underneath yeah it's it, it has some pretty like deep reaching effects. It does block things as well. So there's been a few occasions where water hyacinth has completely blocked hydro plant, plants, causing like millions of dollars worth of damages and leaving people and businesses without electricity until the massive and you know kind of difficult problem can be effectively cleared. So there was a case in Zambia where it effectively shut down one of their hydro plant turbines and another case in Uganda where in Lake Victoria, the water coolers and generators were routinely damaged by water hyacinth mats and caused a lot of dollars worth of damage. But it also is known to choke out local wildlife. This plant has drastically reduced the large populations of fish and affect communities that rely heavily on local waterways as a main resource so either you know decimating the fish populations or preventing farmers from effectively watering their crops or you know getting to even their land in like Papua New Guinea it was a big problem in parts of Africa it was a big problem um, and it's just so incredibly invasive in these areas. And this plant's just like growing all over the world, it seems like. Yeah, so pretty much its popularity after it boomed in kind of like the southern United States, where it is still considered an invasive plant and a problem. It did become popular to take to other places as well. There's um, an issue in Thailand where the ruler at the time had brought back one of the plants as like a curiosity that he ran into in Indonesia and it quickly kind of took over populations there as well. Um, you know, there were people who were from other principalities like European principalities who brought it to their homes in, um, you know, countries in Africa and it ended up spreading that way. 
So it was kind of taken from the Amazon as like a general curiosity. And once people started to like it, they brought it out and it just has kind of taken over in a way. Is there like other animals that are like finding ways to live on these little islands? Yeah, so these islands essentially, you know, are able to be hosted on these mats, many creatures. And so they're often considered a threat to humans because they can hide like poisonous snakes, crocodiles you know, potentially dangerous animal life. They also are a perfect place for mosquito breeding, which is a big issue, obviously, especially in places that, you know, host diseases like malaria. They also hide different animals that have parasites, like certain types of flatworms, that can infest humans via water transmission. They, if you're putting them in your garden kind of deal, they can easily hide parasites that can harm other plants, such as spider mites or caterpillars. They might also, if it's something that you take from somebody else, have the eggs of other fish or aquatic life in their roots that can potentially harm your pond if it's brought from another area. And these plants, when they do take over, also cause just, like, enormous water loss. So there's a huge issue in parts of Africa where there are now some places that actually have a shortage of water because the water hyacinth has sucked up so much. And this loss comes from the process of evapotranspiration which is essentially a combination of evaporation and transpiration, two processes in which water is kind of used by the plant. Transpiration is water lost through the leaves of the plants, and evaporation is when the water changes to water vapor on plant or soil surfaces. And this can alter the water balance of entire regions. You're thinking about how much water is then released into the air and it makes a big difference environmentally to the area. So what are we doing to like combat all of these things? It seems like they reproduce so quickly and they grow so quickly and you know they're not attached to anything so they could be anywhere. Like how do people deal with this plant? So there are a couple ways that we have found to use this plant to our advantage. Um, One is that it can be eaten. Some people do eat this plant as a vegetable. It's most often used in Taiwanese and Japanese cooking. Uncooked, it is known to sometimes cause severe skin irritation. The plant is known for being very rich in carotene. And so as long as it doesn't come from a contaminated place, it's safe to eat. Now, that means that you need to know where it's cultivated from. This isn't a plant that if you just like saw this in a pond outside or something, you would want to take from. 
because you don't know what's in that water. And if there is something bad in it, almost guaranteed the water hyacinth has sucked it up. But some people do eat it. Water hyacinth is also used in perfume and cologne products. It can be used... Do you know what it smells like? Um, It has like a sweet, like fresh smell. You know how water plants kind of have that like, I don't know, like clear smell? That makes sense. Mm-hmm. But it would be hard, I think, for me to pinpoint it exactly among other things. But it is a pretty plant. Like, I can't imagine, you know, it, it feels weird that it's so ugly <laughs> in what it actually does. Yeah, it is a very alluring design. Some people use it for uh, animal feed or fertilizer, again, as long as it's not from a known toxic area. And kind of like we touched on a little bit before, in a controlled environment, this plant can be introduced to absorb a number of toxins and dangerous byproducts from water environments. Uh, It continues to be studied and sometimes used as an option to help clear out toxic water supplies, things like gold mine runoff, or even cyanide that's leaked into the water, different things. It's able to, heavy metals especially, remove from the water certain like sewage compounds and things like that. So that is also a positive. And probably the biggest thing is that water hyacinth has a huge biomass yield and it's because of this very high yield that many developing countries who have experienced you know the devastating effect of water hyacinth invasion are attempting now to actually extract ethanol from the plant and they have been successful but currently it really only works for smaller scale operations it does help them to control their populations and use that matter somewhere else Mm -hmm. but it's still only viable for very small things Um, but many scientists are currently working on streamlining the process to actually make it a viable renewable energy source and with the amount and the speed that we know this plant can reproduce if we can figure out how to do that it could potentially be something positive which would be awesome yeah at minimum a good kickstarter for collecting it all around the area yeah definitely and so this plant is just like a really interesting plant and i think that in time we're going to find more ways to use it it is something that you can put in your garden and enjoy it's just also something that does require the kind of careful maintenance and disposal in order to Mm -hmm. have it in an environment outside of its native habitat They do kind of make me think they're like the next level upgraded, like pond lily. I can see that. 
they are like pretty float I mean they're very pretty floating flowers I personally saw it and was immediately like I want one but then I read all the other stuff and I was like I don't want one no 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 nope, yeah. never mind Not anymore <laughs> yeah I'm good actually so, so what is what's your mini tip so I have two important mini tips or important I feel anyway the first is that if you do get water hyacinth and you are disposing of water hyacinth, so you're pruning it to keep it small for a pond or something like that, what is most important is that you make sure you dispose of that in a dry area that is not near a water source. So it is possible to you know have it at home and trim it and whatever but you need to make sure that you're depositing it in a very dry, like a compost or something like that, an area where it's not going to affect a local water source because it can become a severe problem. And my second tip would be that if you see this anywhere in any waterway that is, you know, public, that you should report it. Most states, especially in the South, know that it's an issue, but as we've talked about, it multiplies so incredibly quickly. And so that early identification can save millions of dollars. It can save, you know, inconvenience locally if there were an issue with like a power source or a sewage plant or something like that. Most of the time, mm-hmm. like it's. Yeah, most of the time, if it is released, it's very controlled. So it would be something that you would know about or something that was posted. So if you see this just like out somewhere, more than likely it's a product of inappropriate disposal of the plant. And so that needs to be reported so that someone can take care of it. Very responsible. (laughs) Means it could mean your very own water source. It could be, and it would be a real shame. Mm-hmm. Well, this episode has kicked off our latest, our favoritest season three invasive plants. This was our episode on water hyacinths. If you liked our episode, please give it a like, a share, tell a friend, tell your family. Thank you for coming and joining us and learning on this episode. We will see you next week oh my gosh what's our next episode gonna be on so our next episode is gonna be on the ever famous invasive plant in america kudzu kudzu one of the best names yet (laughs) true well 